Section 8 of Bird Stories from Burroughs by John Burroughs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra. Bird Stories from Burroughs by John Burroughs. Section 8 The Brown Thrasher. Our long-tailed thrush, or thrasher, delights in a high branch of some solitary tree, whence it will pour out its rich and intricate warble for an hour together. This bird is the great American chipper. There is no other bird that I know of that can chip with such emphasis and military decision as this yellow-eyed songster. It is like the click of a giant gunlock. Why is the thrasher so stealthy? It always seems to be going about on tiptoe. I never knew it to steal anything, and yet it skulks and hides like a fugitive from justice. One never sees it flying aloft in the air and traversing the world openly like most birds, but it darts along fences and through bushes, as if pursued by a guilty conscience. Only when the musical fit is upon it, does it come up into full view and invite the world to hear and behold. Years pass without my finding a brown thrasher's nest. It is not a nest you are likely to stumble upon in your walk. It is hidden as a miser hides his gold and watched as jealously. The male pours out his rich and triumphant song from the tallest tree he can find and fairly challenges you to come and look for his treasures in his vicinity. But you will not find them if you go. The nest is somewhere on the outer circle of his song. He is never so imprudent as to take up his stand very near it. The artists who draw those cosy little pictures of a brooding mother bird, with the male perched but a yard away in full song, do not copy from nature. The thrasher's nest, I found, was thirty or forty rods from the point where the male was wont to indulge in his brilliant recitative. It was in an open field under a low ground juniper. My dog disturbed the sitting bird as I was passing near. The nest could be seen only by lifting up and parting away the branches. All the arts of concealment had been carefully studied. It was the last place you would think of looking in, and, if you did look, nothing was visible but the dense green circle of the low-spreading juniper. When you approached, the bird would keep her place till you had begun to stir the branches, when she would start out and, just skimming the ground, make a bright brown line to the near fence and bushes. I confidently expected that this nest would escape molestation, but it did not. Its discovery by myself and dog probably opened the door for ill luck, as one day not long afterward, when I peeped in upon it, it was empty. The proud song of the male had ceased from his accustomed tree, and the pair were seen no more in that vicinity. After a pair of nesting birds have been broken up once or twice during the season, they become almost desperate and will make great efforts to outwit their enemies. 
A pair of brown thrashers built their nest in a pasture field under a low scrubby apple tree, which the cattle had browsed down till it spread a thick, wide mass of thorny twigs, only a few inches above the ground. Some blackberry briars had also grown there, so that the screen was perfect. My dog first started the bird as I was passing near. By stooping low and peering intently, I could make out the nest and eggs. Two or three times a week as I passed by, I would pause to see how the nest was prospering. The mother bird would keep her place, her yellow eyes never blinking. One morning, as I looked into her tent, I found the nest empty. Some night prowler, probably a skunk or a fox, or maybe a black snake or a red squirrel by day, had plundered it. It would seem as if it was too well screened. It was in such a spot as any depredator would be apt to explore. Surely, he would say, this is a likely place for a nest. The birds then moved over the hill a hundred rods or more, much nearer the house, and in some rather open bushes tried again. But again they came to grief. Then after some delay the mother bird made a bold stroke. She seemed to reason with herself thus. Since I have fared so disastrously in seeking seclusion for my nest, I will now adopt the opposite tactics and come out fairly in the open. What hides me hides my enemies. Let us try greater publicity. So she came out and built her nest by a few small shoots that grew beside the path that divides the two vineyards and where we pass to and fro many times daily. I discovered her by chance early in the morning as I proceeded to my work. She started up at my feet and flitted quickly along above the ploughed ground, almost as red as the soil. I admired her audacity. Surely no prowler by night or day would suspect a nest in this open and exposed place. There was no cover by which they could approach, and no concealment anywhere. The nest was a hasty affair, as if the bird's patience at nest-building had been about exhausted. Presently an egg appeared, and then the next day another, and on the fourth day a third. No doubt the bird would have succeeded this time had not man interfered. In cultivating the vineyards, the horse and cultivator had to pass over this very spot. Upon this the bird had not calculated. I determined to assist her. I called my man and told him there was one spot in that vineyard no bigger than his hand where the horse's foot must not be allowed to fall nor tooth of cultivator to touch. Then I showed him the nest, and charged him to avoid it. Probably, if I had kept the secret to myself, and let the bird run her own risk, the nest would have escaped. But the result was that the man, in elaborately trying to avoid the nest, overdid the matter. The horse plunged and set his foot squarely upon it. Such a little spot. The chances were few that the horse's foot would fall exactly there, and yet it did, 
and the bird's hopes were again dashed. The pair then disappeared from my vicinity, and I saw them no more. End of section 8